So this morning, my message is going to be titled, or is titled, Need, Greed, Seed. Three tests of our stewardship. Most of you probably aren't familiar with this guy's name, but you're probably familiar with the phrase, Catch-22. Well, the guy that wrote that, his name was Joseph Heller. And he was at a party in the Hamptons. If you've heard of the Hamptons, it's kind of the place of the rich and famous, right? And he was at this party, and a guy comes over to him, and he points to a young 25-year-old guy standing across the room, and he says, that 25-year-old guy works for a huge hedge fund, and he made more money last year than you're going to make selling all your books in the rest of your life. And Joseph Heller looked at this man and says to him, that may be true, but I've got something he'll never have. And the guy looked at him quizzically and said, what are you talking about? What do you have that this guy will never have? He answered with one word, enough. Enough. Contentment. There's another story that I think is really interesting to look at from the things that we've been talking about these last five weeks. It's of a man, and he says, this man says, I had the most horrible dream. It was so vivid, but it was horrible. I dreamed that the Lord took my Sunday offering and multiplied it by ten, and that became my weekly income. It didn't take very long to start losing all my toys. I lost my car. I lost my house. He says it's tough to live on $10 a week. It's kind of humorous. But if what we've been teaching the last six weeks is true, there's a very serious side to that funny story. What would my weekly income be if the Lord multiplied my giving by ten times? And that was what I was called to live on. Oof. Sobering. Sobering thought. We're going to look at a very quickly, so put on your fast hearing ears, I think, about need, greed, and sowing of seed. We have, if there's one thing I hope you have heard or learned in this series is this whole concept of generosity from the tithes to our abundance to offerings to everything is dependent upon and it's all about the heart. It's about the heart. It's not about legalism. It's not about requirements. It's not about mandates. It's about the heart. And really the only way, if you think about it, man was, since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, man is selfish. I know some of you don't like hearing that, but we're selfish. And the only way that we can truly have this overwhelmingly generosity, this overwhelmingly generous heart, is for God to do a work in our life. It starts with salvation, but it continues as we go through the process of growing into more Christ-likeness because of what the Holy Spirit does in us. God loves generosity. And I believe one of the reasons he loves it so much is he's a generous God. And when he sees generosity in our lives, it's, it's a evidence that we are becoming more like him. 
in our giving. Generosity. And as we go through this, we've talked a lot about money, but it's not just money. It's any material goods, but it's also when it comes to blessings, it's about spiritual blessings also. And one of the things that I think has been evident, I hope has been evident, is money, because it's an easy thing to measure, and because it is an important thing in our culture, God uses money as a test, a test of our hearts. Where is our heart? How do I know he uses it as a test? Look at some of the scriptures. Luke 16, 11, one we've talked about before. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, money, riches, wealth, who will commit to your trust the true riches, souls? How does God know? He tests us. He sees. It's a test. It shows a, a, a way for us. And that really, God doesn't need the test, right? He knows what's in our heart. But it's to show us. Where are we in our terms of generosity? Where are we? What kind of stewards of everything God gives us are we? It's a test of our stewardship. <clears throat> it's a test of our trustworthiness. Can God trust us with an abundance? If he can't trust us with little, how is he ever going to trust us with much? It's a test of the heart. In Matthew six twenty one, why is it so important about this test? Because the Lord knows where our treasure is. That's where your heart's going to be. He knows. And the tests reveal to us where our heart is. If we would say, and I'm guessing most of us would say this, our heart is for the kingdom of God. Our heart is for supporting missions like Caleb and the other ministries that we support. Our heart is about reaching the lost. We, we would say this, but does our bank statement validate or refute that truth, that statement, that comment. I think that's one of the reasons we talk so much about money. And I know we get sick of hearing about money. You know, people are so sick of churches talking about money, begging for money. I hope you're not hearing anything about begging for money. That's not what we're talking about. But it's an important aspect of our lives, this whole money thing. And I know that Jesus thought it was important. You know why we know that? About 30% of the Gospels deal with money and material goods. Think about that. Why would we talk so much about that? Because I believe the Lord knew what a temptation it is for our heart to go the wrong place. If the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God is what we treasure, that's where our heart will be. That's where... Our money will go. That's where our finances will go. That's where our time will go. That's where we'll use our gifts and our talents. We'll volunteer. We'll do these things. Because we have a generous spirit, a generous heart. Getting to this area where we believe first and foremost that God provides. Everything's a gift from Him. Everything He gives us. 100% is from Him. We would believe that. The Bible tells us that. We should believe that. I hope we believe that. But then He also says, I want that first 10%. That's mine. And that's the first test. That test of need. Do you believe you'll meet your needs? Can you live on 90% of what God gives you? Well, you're already living on less than that because the government takes more than that. I don't want to just support the government. They shouldn't get my tithes. The church gets my tithes. 
Money is a big deal simply because it reveals our heart. It's not just about buying stuff. Matter of fact, that's down the list. It's about our heart. And when we get out of alignment with our heart and and in the area of finances, I mean, gee, as a pastor, we have the privilege of doing more counseling than we might want to do. Financial problems abound. Worry, anxiety, fear about money. Why doesn't God bless me with more? How well are you stewarding what he's blessed you with? Most of us that get into debt and are consumed with worry and fear and anxiety about finances, it isn't the problem that we didn't make enough. It's that we spent it on the wrong stuff. And we're in debt up to here. And we're now in bondage to our debt. So we've been reminded the last few weeks of all of these things, but there's one thing I want to make sure we really understand is in spite of all those warnings and cautions and tests, God wants to bless his people. He wants to bless us. He wants to pour out an abundance. He wants to bless so that we can be a blessing. Remember the story of Abraham? Abraham, just go do these things. If you bless me, I'm going to bless you. And not only am I going to bless you, you're going to be a blessing to all those that come in contact with you. And matter of fact, it concludes with, you're going to be a blessing to the whole world, which he ultimately was through Christ. God blesses that we might be a blessing. And he will bless those whom he finds faithful and trustworthy when it comes to the area of our wealth, our riches, our finances. He wants to put resources in the hands of those he trusts so we can just be a conduit of whatever he blessed us with. This morning we got to watch that brief video from Caleb. You know, this church is a part of what they're doing. Our financial giving, because of your generosity, is not only allowing Caleb to do this kind of work, we've got all these other ministries that we're supporting in the same similar fashion so that they can go out and continue the work. And they're just an extension of us as a church. And it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the generosity of this church. That's why I always feel a little guilty that I'm preaching to the choir. But I also am convinced that we can all become more generous. I know I can. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to try to do it fast. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And we're going to look at a few verses around it, but I want to start with this one verse. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. All things. Always. When you see the word all in the Scripture, you might want to just rejoice and say thank you. All of it. All of these things. And notice that God is able. When we look at this, The context of these scriptures is very briefly this. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. There's famine in the land, and the church in Jerusalem is really struggling. And he's been over in Macedonia, and the Macedonians were really struggling, but they took this generous offering. It tells us out of their great need and their poverty, they gave this amazing offering relative to their conditions. And I don't know, when you read this story, you might almost wonder, is Paul being a little bit 
sarcastic. If he is, I think it's, we'll call it sarcastic humor. But he's writing to this church a letter and he's saying, I'm going to send a few guys. I'm going to send Titus and a few other guys. And they're going to come and collect this offering that you sort of committed to already. I want them to come so as a reminder to you of what you said. And I want to remind you how generous the Macedonians have been. And I want this to be done so when I come, I don't have to stand up in front of you and beg for money or manipulate you or scold you. Those are my words, not his. For the for this church in Jerusalem. And there's some very clear instructions I think we can learn from this story. And I'm going to just go through a few of the verses. This is in 2 Corinthians 9. And I'm going to start at verse 6. And this has to do with a very common law, the law of sowing and reaping. It's been talked about forever. But I want you to think about this for just a second. We're talking about sowing and reaping in terms of finances and giving. We sow and reap in lots of areas of our life. What we sow. We sow. We can sow a critical spirit. We can sow a judgmental attitude. We can sow all kinds of things. And we're going to reap. Sometimes we need to step back and we see all this stuff coming at us and it's not good stuff and say, why, Lord, what in the world? you got to hope you don't hear the, the words from the Lord saying, you're reaping what you're sowing. So often that can be the case. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, the law of sowing and reaping. This promise is not given to motivate us to give. I believe this promise is given to us so that we won't fear the generosity the Lord is asking us to step into. Making us aware that, you know what, there are rewards for your generosity. This isn't a multi-level scheme to get rich. I'm going to give more. i got to give more. I want more. I need more, so I'm going to give more. Bad attitude. Heart. Heart attitude. Sowing and reaping. And remember, we will reap what we sow. And it's not always just material things. The spiritual side of what we reap. And so, we want to sow godly things into the lives of people. Then we might reap godly things from other people into our lives. We could go through so much of this sowing and reaping. But I think we're familiar with it enough that we're going to go on to verse 7. So let each one, each one, that would include all of us, right? You're part of the each group. Each one, let each one uh, give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Like God. He's a cheerful giver. He loves to give. Notice, each person is to give as they purpose in their heart. And I need to really repent, probably to some of you personally, because I have told you many times, and I think I've taken this verse out of context when I've told you this. Just give as you purpose in your heart. If you can't give 10%, give 1% or 3% or 2%. Test God in this. Well, I don't think that's what this really means. Give as you purpose in your heart. Out of the desire of your heart to give generously. Out of the desire of your heart to be obedient to the Lord. It's more about the desire of your heart than it is uh, just kind of give what you want and test God. 
If I've told you that, please forgive me. And I would challenge you to step out in faith and give back to the Lord what the Lord's given to you. He only asked for 10%. So if you keep the 90 and it bless you with it. A blessed life is a result of being a cheerful giver. Verse 8 goes on and says, And God is able. We need to start there. God is able. He's able to what? Fulfill every promise he's ever made. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance of every good work. Notice what the abundance is for. Every good work. The works of God. Out of our abundance. The good news here is he gives us an abundance. And I personally believe God intends for us to enjoy that abundance, but he also intends us to do something else with that abundance that's not about me. And that's to sow. To sow seed. And notice this for every good work. One of the things that we need to always be aware of, there is a difference between needs and wants. We all have needs. We all have wants. And sometimes our wants become our needs. And it's not quite true. God says he will give us all we need. He will provide a sufficient amount. And that word sufficient there is an interesting word. It's an old Greek word, and it can be translated two different ways. It's translated both these ways in the scriptures in different places. Here it's translated sufficiency, meaning there will be enough. Your needs will be met. But in other places it's translated contentment, content. And either one works really well here. You will be content in all things. You will be content. No matter what I give you, you will be content because I'm meeting your needs. I promise to meet your needs, and I will meet your needs every time. I believe this is first test, the need test. Do you believe God can meet your needs? Can you believe for that? Do you trust him for that, that our needs will be met? We see in Scripture different stories. One of the, one of the stories that's kind of neat is about Elijah. Remember Elijah? A couple different times in Second Kings, I believe it's in Second Kings, not First Kings, Second Kings, I think in chapter 17 and chapter, again in chapter 19. The first time Elijah's <clears throat> told to go somewhere out in the wilderness and by this brook and God says, don't worry, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to meet your needs. The ravens are going to bring you bread and meat. Another picture of God, he could have just gave him bread, right? Now if I brought some steak along too. Bread and meat. Provided his needs, not money. He can provide things for us that we need without it being money. The next one, he's not exactly going, gone where God wanted him to go. This time, he's really running out of fear from Jezebel, Nahab. And he runs out in the wilderness, and he's, his first prayer to God was, God, just let me die. Anybody prayed that prayer? Just let me die. This is a mess I'll never get out of. And he falls asleep. Falls asleep, but then he's awakened. He's awakened from an angel touching him. And he awakens and he turns and he sees a cake on the coals. Are you ready for this? That was the very first angel food cake. <laughs> Maybe not, I don't know. But it sure sounds good. The point is, God will meet your needs in the weirdest ways sometimes. You may give away something and I could really use that, but I don't really need it. I've got extra. You give it away and all of a sudden you get something better from the Lord. 
Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's material. And beyond this meeting our needs comes the next test, the greed test. And that greed test occurs when God blesses us with the abundance. It's over and above what we need. More comes in, and we have an abundance. What am I going to do with that abundance? Gee, I'm way behind on my mortgage. Could lose the house. Haven't paid for my car payments for a long time. But I could sure use that boat. What are you going to do with the abundance? What are you going to do? And believe me, God wants us to be blessed. He wants to bless us with things that are just things to bring you and I pleasure. I believe he really wants me to get new golf clubs, honey. (laughs) Are you trying to tell me I don't really need them? (laughs) But with that abundance, it's a test again. I believe he blesses us so we can have fun with whatever it is. He wants us to to have a good time, to, to be enjoying life. But he doesn't want us to get greedy. And that abundance is a greed test. Can we handle the abundance? Some of us can handle it well. Others of us, not so good. I've always said, and i got to quit saying this is because it's a negative confession, but the Lord doesn't give me much of an abundance because he knows I can't handle it. I'd be foolish with it. Forget the golf clubs. But he wants to bless us. We need to keep that in mind with this whole thing about a heart attitude. He wants to bless us. We can position ourselves to be blessed out of generosity as long as the motive is the right thing. Not for more, but when he gives us more, what do we do with it? What are we going to do with it? And then there's the seed test. And I think this is really the highest level. When we have that abundance, are we willing to scatter seed? Are we willing to spread that abundance around, trusting that God is going to take that seed that we spread and he's going to multiply it? Robert's teaching this morning on the video was all about the principles of multiplication. God's in the multiplication. You know, if you're a farmer in here or if you're a gardener in here, you know full well if you put some seed in the ground when it grows, you get way back more than you put in the ground because God multiplies it. Sometimes, however, we have a tendency to eat the seed. Can you imagine, picture this farmer. He's got this 10 bags of grain that he's supposed to plant. And he says, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about this. Uh, the weather report looks bad. I, I think I'm going to just plant one, one bag of this seed. That way I'll have nine no matter what happens. The neighbor across the road puts all 10 bags in the ground and his bins are bursting. You got nine bags and this paltry little crop because you didn't plant the seed. You consumed it, you kept it for yourself. God will supply and multiply our seed. Verse 10 in 2 Corinthians 9 says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he meets our needs, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness. And when we're sowing into the kingdom, we're sowing so much more than money or food or clothing. We're sowing, we, we are sowing love, generosity. We're sowing compassion. We're sowing all these things into the people that we're blessing. 
acts of kindness. The little things that change the hearts of people to make them more open to the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Three quick principles of sowing and, and uh, seed and reaping. Like begets like. I'm not going to spend time on these. We could go to scriptures. Like begets like. You reap after you sow. You reap after you sow, by the way. That means you got to sow first. Is that kind of clear? So many of us, I'm going to wait to sow until I've reaped a little more. Doesn't work very well. And multiplication. Now, there's a story that you're all familiar with, so I'm not going to read through it. It's a story we see in the scripture that's called Feeding of the 5,000. There was also the story about feeding the 4,000. In both those stories, they had almost nothing. Watch the video. Robert Morris does a great job. You'll laugh through most of it. But the reality is this. When it was time for the people to be fed, they came to Jesus, the disciples, and said, What do we do? Look at all these people. 5,000 men. How many women and children? We don't know, but probably a lot. And he says, all we got are these few loaves of bread and two measly fish. And what did God tell him to do? I know you guys are hungry. Go ahead and eat. It's not what he told him what to do. He said, break this humongous crowd into groups of 50. And then what did he do? He took the food, those few loaves of bread and those couple of fish, and he says he looked up into heaven, and he blessed it. And when he blessed it and was finished blessing it, he handed it to the disciples and said, here it is. Go feed the people. Go feed the people. What did they have? They still had a few loaves of bread and two fish. But once it got put into the hands of the disciples... After God had blessed it, they went and it multiplied. And they had to give it away for it to multiply. They couldn't hoard it and wait, okay, I'm going to look at this basket. Man, when it starts growing, I'm, I'm good. Then I'll share. But until then, no way. No, they had to give it away. Two things that we need to understand. God blesses what he has given us when we are faithful and give back the first portion to him. Scripture tells us he rebukes the devourer when we give to him that first fruit, that tithe. And then he blesses. So our fine, whatever he's given us is now blessed. But guess what? We've got to give it away. And as we give it away, it's multiplied. You know, our church here in Little Ballot in Minnesota... It would say something like, you know, we want to do something about this sex trafficking. We hear about it. We know it's happening. It's the most horrible thing I can imagine taking these young girls, these older girls, getting them hooked on drugs, and then selling them and prostituting them, and young boys too. How do we do this? And we sit and look at each other for a while and go, geez, we don't know. Is there any of that in Ballotin? Tracy, Marshall, Tyler? I, I don't know. What do we do? We sow the seed. We sow the seed. As a church, we tithe. 10% of what comes into this church goes out to other ministries. First thing. 
and we sow seed. And it goes out and it multiplies. Your generosity is impacting people all around the world, not just in the United States. Young children, then we support Christian schools and Christian education. Pregnant mothers who are at, going to the clinics in Sioux Falls looking for abortions. All over the world, you're reaching out with your generosity. We believe there's a great reason this church's financial needs have never existed. We've never been broke. We've never, I've never had to stand up here and say, geez, if you guys don't give, I'm not going to get paid. Never. Our electric bill, always. No needs since we started doing something. Tithing as a church. And God has given us an abundance. And we get to pass it on. And that generosity comes from the body of Christ. We are, you are, a very generous church. God wants to bless your generosity. But just because we are a generous church, corporately, doesn't mean every one of us are generous. Some of us need to let the Lord do a work in our heart. Let a work, him do a work in our heart. Prove to him that we're trustworthy, that we can handle the abundance and we will be a conduit for his blessing other people. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for the amazing presence in our time of worship. God, the way you ministered to us out of your abundance of love. God, we thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunities we get to have to minister through these missions that we support as a church out of the abundance that your people give. We thank you and praise you for that. And I pray, Lord, that we have been challenged and encouraged by the series that we've been going through. Lord, a cheerful giver is one who gives, not one who gives out of being forced or manipulated or threatened. God, may that never be. Never be in this church that we would be a people who give because that's the desire of our heart. So I pray your blessings upon each one as they continue to pour out, as they continue to give back to you and give that abundance, those offerings to impact the world, that we may reap a greater and greater harvest in the material and the spiritual. I ask you would watch over us as we go our separate ways this morning. Bless us as we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.